Welcome to another episode of Junior Achievement of South Florida's Recipe for Success. Just as there are no two recipes that contain the exact same ingredients or measurements, there are no two success stories exactly the same. Recipe for Success features entrepreneurs, visionary leaders, and innovators of all ages who will share the ingredients that make them successful. Here's your host, Lori Salarulo, President and CEO of Junior Achievement of South Florida. Hey, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Jay's Recipe for Success. Welcome to my home. Welcome to my kitchen. Uh, we're so excited today. You know, I, I hope that you've been watching um, or listening because we have had some amazing leaders on this show talking about their ingredients to success, how they're navigating times like these and, and how this pandemic is affecting uh, their industries and their organizations. So lots and lots of great stuff. I've been inspired and motivated by every single one of them. And today's guest is no different. Um, he is absolutely an inspiration. When I met him for the very first time, I was just so blown away, um, so inspired by his background and his determination uh, as an entrepreneur. And so today we have with us a uh, JA board member, I'm happy to say, but of course that's not the top of his, his resume, but I think it is. Um, and he is a former Navy pilot and founder and CEO of Tropic Ocean Airways, Mr. Rob Serafolo. How are you? Hey, Lori. How are you? Good to I'm see you. Good. I know I put a board member first because to me that's, Love it. that's all right. That's the passion. That's your Love passion. You. Well, welcome. Well. And you know, I know you and I had a little chance to catch up and and just uh, personally and make sure each other is doing well. And um, you know, this is a very interesting time that we're going through. And you and I had the chance to speak a couple of weeks ago. And and one of the things you shared with me right was. Uh, a lot, a little bit about the ups and downs right now, right, of the travel and airline industry. And so I thought we we might just go right into that. And then we'll, we'll go back a little bit and get some of your background and what got you here today. But I thought it'd be good to for everybody to hear a little bit about what's happening. Yeah, no. So obviously, you know, it's people are scared to travel and travel, I think, has fundamentally changed. I think this this time we're going through this uh, pandemic, I think, you know, if you look back to March where everybody thought that we're all gonna die from this thing to where we are today, which it's it's not as bad as we originally thought, things are changing, we're figuring out how to live with it, you know, there's still gonna, I think, be a fundamental effect to travel, um, business travel especially, right? Here we are doing a Zoom call as opposed to me being there with you at JA. Um, that being said, you know, and I know we talked a little bit about this, you know, in terms of like how much we both miss travel, right? Um, we, I think it's human nature to, to have this wanderlust, right? To want to go see different places and, and, and see different experiences. I know both of our families are from Italy and, you know, I'm going there and seeing the culture and being a part of that. You know, I was very fortunate in the Navy to travel the world and, and, and I miss it. And most people I know um, miss it too. And, I, you know, it's interesting. The um, Jamaican Minister of Tourism, I believe, coined the phrase Generation C, which I absolutely love and I stole it. And he said, Generation C is pan-generational. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are, you know, how much money you have, you've been affected by COVID. That being said, you want to travel, but you want to feel safe when you travel. So I do think we are going to figure out as a travel industry, you know, uh, goes through this OODALU process and figures out how we do this safely. We're going to figure out how to get people back to traveling again, and we're going to do it safely. I think business travel will always have an impact. Um, that being said, you know, we were talking about earlier, I miss shaking people's hands and having dinner, you know? So I do think business travel is going to come back at some point, 
it probably won't be where it was. I think this has fundamentally changed it. And we're going to have to change with it. But, you know, it's interesting, Rob, because, you know, as you said that, your airline, your planes are small, right? right. So I know that that the places that you travel, right, are or fly to are limited versus Europe and, and those things, more island. Um, but I think right now what I hear is people are more comfortable in those smaller planes, right, without – 100, 200 people uh, yep. around them. So do you think that that the smaller airlines like yours will will come back quicker than the big airlines? Yeah, no, they, they definitely will. I mean, we're, we are still flying, albeit at a, at, at a, a much smaller pace than we, we were prior to the pandemic. Um, and if you think about the places we fly and the type of things we do, we take you, as you put, you know, said eight or nine people from a small private terminal direct to a home in the Bahamas, for example, or direct to a yacht, right? So there's this new trend now. I don't have the money to do it, right? But there's this new trend where people are are, are quarantining on a yacht or, you know, or quarantining on a private home. I know we, we talked about, you know, working from a different place in home. I've got friends of mine that have rented long-term rentals in the Keys and just, you know, dive, you know, in the afternoons after they have their Zoom calls in the morning. And, I, and we're starting to see this shift and so we as a niche airline can kind of capitalize on that and get people in a, in a you know, I like to say like a COVID free corridor, if you will. You know, you have to be tested prior to going to the Bahamas. So you're tested. Everybody else there has been tested. You get on a private airplane. We, you know, we, we uh, you know, fog the airplanes with the, you know, the whole thing, the protocols, the, the mask and everything else. And we take you to a, your, your second home, if you will. In that kind of travel, there has been a shift towards that private travel. It's not for everybody, obviously, because the price point's high. You know, so I think as an industry, we're going to have to figure out the smaller airlines. We have to figure out how to make that more accessible, I think, and affordable, for more people. Right? And, and affordable. affordable for more people. Yeah. Exactly. So you are one of the things that I think I love about you um, when we first met, I was first introduced, was that you are, in, in my opinion, the quintessential serial entrepreneur. You just have that spirit and that mindset about you. Talk a little bit about, you know, what, when did that begin? Uh, when did you first know that that's what you were meant to be? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, it's tough to say. You know, I was I was very fortunate in my life that that um, you know my my parents when I was very young kind of instilled this idea that you could do anything. You know, they they were you know very strict disciplinarians, right? But but they also you know my mom. Hello. Italian, Southern Italian, right? From Italy, actually. And and you know, my mom would give me books, for example, these these novels that were adventure novels. And, and it kind of gave me that wanderlust, I think, when I was a young kid. And my dad was very big on, you know, in Italy, I didn't have the opportunities that we he have here in America. He grew up during World War II. His town was overrun by the fascists and the Nazis, liberated by the American military, the whole thing. And he came to this country and he said, look, you can do whatever you want here. You want to be an astronaut? You want to be whatever you want, you know? So they kind of gave me this idea that, you know, be a dreamer, go pursue it. And I was very fortunate to have that. And I'm not saying that when I was young, you know, I, I knew exactly where I would be in 2020. You know, I always wanted to fly fighters for the Navy, but, you know, my life took different paths and I made mistakes early on in, in life. And I think like we all did, you know, but I think having that early on and having that encouragement to not just pursue a dream, but work hard for it, I think was an important part. And also, too, I think, you know, I don't know where it comes from. Maybe I read too many books about people like Richard, Richard Branson and, and other people that just have accomplished amazing things in life. Like, I have a big fear of being bored, you know. So I've got a good friend of mine, and, and I love this analogy. He's like me, an entrepreneur who worked hard for the last 10 years, started his company from the ground up, 
you know, he didn't exit, but he sold a big piece of it, you know, pulled millions of dollars out of the company, which is amazing. Um, and he's, you know, that happens. And you think most people would like, you know, retire or whatever. And he's like, so what's next? What am I going to do next? You know, and he's got this, this desire to find another purpose. And I think we see that even with veterans getting out of the military, you know, you're in the military, you have a purpose. And I think that's, that's probably for me. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. I think we need to find that purpose in life, which then yeah. triggers that desire to achieve it and do something great. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I guess I do have the entrepreneurial spirit too, because you, I'm way, you, know, you, you never want to be bored. It's never status quo. And it's always what's, you know, what's the next, the next challenge or the next thing that we can solve or do. And I, I mm -hmm. love that. You know, you talked about, um, making mistakes when when you were younger and you know sometimes our, our kids our young people get to watch these videos which i love you know and sometimes they see us where we are today and they don't know that you know we did make mistakes right oh, and it wasn't a clear path to where we are today i don't know about you but my path was pretty you know same. uh crooked and i don't mean crooked in a, in a illegal way but you no. know just winding right um yeah. talk a little about that because i think we we want them to know that you're going to make mistakes, but what is it that got you through those mistakes? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, I think, so there's a lot, there's, there's all these, um, I'd say cliched sayings, right? Like, you know, don't worry about your mistakes or forget about your mistakes or, or don't dwell on failure. And I, I have, a, there's a balance, right? So I look at it as like, you should dwell on failure. You should dwell on fa failure long enough until you figured out what the lessons were. That's what failure is, right? It's a, it's a learning experience. So, so if you forget about the failure you made yesterday, guess what? You're gonna make the same mistake again. So, um, even after this, I'm sure after this podcast, I'm gonna probably watch it and say, "Damn, I shouldn't have said that," you know. And, and I'm gonna think about it. And 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 I think that's the important thing. And, and that to me was, it was instilled at an early age, but not not well. You know, my parents, like I said, were wonderful parents. My dad was a disciplinarian, but you know, the old guard, the old Italian mentality was don't screw it up or, you know, so, so, and, and when I got to the military, I think that's when I really learned what failure was. And the military does a great job of debriefing mistakes. We'll go fly a 45 minute mission, Lori, right? We'll spend a couple hours planning it. We'll brief it for about 30, 45 minutes. We'll fly a 45 minute mission. We'll spend three to four hours picking it apart watching the tapes, talking about our mistakes and errors. And there is no ego. Everybody thinks, you know, Maverick, right? Top kind of like we all got big egos, motorcycle. I, I do have the motorcycle, but um, but we sit there and we just we just take the critique and we talk about it. And we're like, yeah, you're right. This is what I should have done. And we dwell on that mistake until we figure out what the lesson was. And then we apply the lesson to the next time we fly. And I learned I learned that in the military. I think that's what really drove that mentality. And it, you know, honestly changed my life, changed my life, changed my business, everything. So I think, I think mistakes are okay as long as you're learning from them is the point. You know, I love that. And you know, it's interesting because when I started having our team do debriefs on projects, programs, events, whatever, I remember one of the employees said, I'm not, I said, you know, I haven't seen the debrief scheduled yet. And she said, I'm not doing debriefs anymore. And I said, well, why not? She said, because I, I don't want to hear what they have to say. I, I don't. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Well, you can't get better. You can't yeah. make it better if you don't no. listen. Sure. You know, nobody's attacking anybody personally. No. But but sometimes we take it personally when someone tells us, right? But that, that's human. That's human nature, though. And and 
I, I can't tell you that, you know, in a debrief, I don't take it personally. I just, I, I, I recognize it. I think we have to recognize that our emotions are coming into it, but it's also how you debrief too. And you have to train people to, to be more objective in the debrief. You know, the first part of a debrief, what we talk about even in flying, you know, is, Hey, you know, you turned right. You should have turned left. It's actually, you turn right. And we're going to circle that and talk about it later. And you just talk about the facts, you know, anytime you put an adge adjective, right? So if I read, I won't tell you which way I lean politically, right? But I read both the left and the right in the media. I read CNN and Fox, right? Both extremes. Me too. The headlines have adjectives in them, meaning that they're subjective, right? So anytime, so think about it in a debrief. If I put it as a, an adjective before a fact, I have now created a subjective debrief and I brought my emotion or my view of what you just did into this versus let's list out exactly what happened. And then we'll come back and talk about it. And I think that that is a big, you know, change that I learned in the military about, you know, we'll be talking to a debrief and I want to talk about a point and the instructor would say, no, just keep going with the facts. Let's just, just list out exactly what happened during the fight. And then we'll come back and talk about the, the mistakes, errors and the things we did well, you know? Yeah. I think there's a lot that people can learn from, from that, from what you learned right in the military, that debriefing. Um, because I think you're right. It has to be done well, it needs to be done right. And we need to leave our egos sometimes at the door, um, you know, and, and remember that it's an opportunity, like you said, to learn the lessons, right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and how to apply them. So I love, love, love that. You know, I think, you know, people are just so intrigued. I know I was when you told me you were a former Navy pilot. I was just like, oh, wow, that's cool, right? Because, yeah, we think about Top Gun. Right. Thank yeah. God for Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> and then you look a little like him, too. So that was great, you know. So yeah. uh, so what else? What other besides the debrief, right? You you said, you know, you, you made some mistakes as a young person, went into the military and then what happened after that, right? How did how did you get to hear from the military? Yeah, I, so I had this other, like I said, I was kind of a dreamer when I was a kid, and I had this other dream. So my first dream was to fly fighters for the Navy. Second dream was to someday start a, an aviation business. And and so I, I thought I was going to do it when I did 20 years after I retired, you know, 20 years into my career, which I would be coming up actually next year. <laughs> and um, I said, you know, like around 2009, I think it was, I was running a, a motorcycle in Italy with a buddy of mine. I was on leave and I was reading Screw It, Let's Do It by Richard Branson. And it was all about like, you know, just screw it, go for it kind of, you know, that's what the title of the book is. And I said, you know, I'm going to do it now, you know, while I have, and by the way, it's the tail end of a recession. So if you think about it, you know, every bank laughed at me. I mean, everybody I met said, you got to be insane. The, the, when, I, when I sold everything I had, including my house to buy my first airplane, a competitor walked up to me and said, this airplane's a piece of crap. You're never going to get it on a certificate. I mean, it was just, it was insane, you know, but, you know, we, we, we applied, I think the lessons learned that we had in the military, you know, my, my co-founder, Nick Feltry was a Marine Corps helicopter crew chief. And, um, we found some great people that believed in what we wanted to do. You know, I finally found a bank, a small bank, a gentleman actually believed in the vision we had for the company. And we were able to launch this thing. And wow. in 2014, we found some more partners who believed in what we could do because I fundamentally, I'm not flying seaplanes back and forth to the Bahamas. I'm fundamentally changing the state of aviation in these countries that have hard, you know, hard times with airlift by creating amphibious airlift and doing it safely and creating jobs. I mean, that's how I look at the business, not that I'm flying pretty airplanes, you know, right. I'm a, you know, I like to solve problems and we found people to believe in it, you know, and I think 
that's another lesson that I found that I try to, you know, apply and even give to younger people that I mentor that, you know, we have this idea of being empowered. You know, I can't do something unless somebody empowers me. And I disagree with that mentality, Lori, right? So if, if I empower you, you're not empowered because I'm handing that to you, right? You're no longer empowered because it's relying on me to empower you, right? What I do, what I should do for you is create an environment where you can empower yourself. And I think there's a fundamental difference. There's a fundamental difference in how we look at our country right now. There's a fundamental difference in how we teach our children. There's a fundamental difference in how we look at business. An, an investor who comes along doesn't empower me. They create the environment. But what I do with that environment, what I do with the capital, what I do with the support, that's what matters. And I think if we took more ownership in ourselves, you know, we'd find more success, whether it's personal, professional, even as a nation, right? And, and I think that's, that's a fundamental shift that sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm a, a voice in the wilderness screaming that out loud, but there's a lot of people that feel that way. And I think, and, and you'll find that a lot of them come from the military, which is interesting. So they yeah. teach that to you, you know, they create the environment for you, but they can't empower you. Yeah, it is interesting. And you know, it's, it's, it's you, you hear about, and, and we talk about that at, at JA as well, you know, that I want people to feel empowered, right? And how do I do that? And, and same thing with the board, you were on the last board meeting. And I said, you know what, you know, in the past, our goal has been to engage the board. You're a grown ass adult, excuse my friend. But if I have to try to engage you, yeah. right? I mean, you're there because yeah. you want to be there. And if you want to yeah. be engaged, you will be engaged because there's yep. plenty to be engaged in. Yep. I feel, I, and I, so I decided to change our direction on that. And our job then was to empower you. Not to empower you to go rah rah, right? But to mm -hmm. empower you with information, with knowledge, with resources, so that you can be empowered to go, right? Advocate, right. And tell the story of JA, and and you know be the best ambassador you can be. I can't magically wave my wand as much as I'd love to, right? Yep. And make you empowered. I can just give you the tools. Yeah. Well, you, you think like, and again, you know, I, I love the military analogies just because that was my background. When we're on a seven-hour mission over Iraq, I don't have my entire squadron and my commanding officer and everybody else like hanging on to the back of the jet telling me what to do next. They, right. they train me up. They give me the tools, and, and they say, you better study, and you better brief, and you better, you know, da 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 And they send you off on your own, you and another jet, and you guys are by yourself, you guys and girls, but for seven hours, you know? You can't call back to the ship and ask, hey, what do I do next? You know, and I think that's that's – I love that point of – giving people the tools, but it's up to you to go execute. Yeah. And, you, know, you talk about, you, you're out there in that, that plane alone. And sometimes as a CEO, you feel like you're out there in the plane alone. Right. Um, although I think <laughs> hopefully you surround yourself with other CEOs, right. That you, that you can lean on. But I think what's interesting about that, what, what popped in my head immediately was you might be in that plane alone, but every move you make and whether you studied, and you knew the plan not only affects you, but it affects the entire team. Oh, 100%, 100%. You're not by yourself. You had to learn that through Every, Yeah, yeah. There's that old, what is it? The, um, the, stone, the stone cutter analogy where, you know, the guy comes across somebody on the road and says, um, hey, what are you doing? And the guy's cutting stone. He's like, I'm cutting stone, you know? And then he comes across somebody and says, what are you doing? The same guy's cutting stone. He said, I'm building a cathedral. Like his one part is part of the bigger picture. And it's important for us as leaders, right, to make sure that everybody on our team understands that. 
there's a great book um, Stanley McChrystal wrote, Team of Teams. And when he took over, was it CENTCOM? I want to say now, I hope I'm not saying the wrong thing. But anyways, he was in charge of, you know, the, the counterinsurgency. It was like 2007 or eight or nine. Um, anyways, he wrote a book about Team of Teams. And he said what he found was all our different units were in silos. They didn't really understand what that mission was part of the bigger picture. So he created an environment where he would make everybody understand, you know, that you were just weren't cutting a stone. You weren't, you know, flying one mission. You know, you are actually executing part of our larger strategy. And it's important to understand that piece for sure. Yeah, that, so. that is really important. Um, you know, I think I, I know, you know, people always say, you know, oh, you did such a great job. Oh, you built this company. It doesn't happen, right, without no. without all of those people working side by side with us. Um, and, 100%. And, you know, I think our young people, um, you know, we serve, we have the J Fellows Program and there's about 700 high school students in there who are actually starting companies from scratch and building those companies. And I think that they have this um, vision that being an entrepreneur, right, is easy. I can build a company. Yeah, yeah. About that, you know, because... I was reading an article recently and they said, you know, the life of an entrepreneur is not easy. No, um, I had, I was going to say, I gave a presentation, I think it was at Broward College and um, I had a young, young kid come up to me and, he's, and I was like, what do you want to do? He's like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I go, that's cool. I said, so what's your product? He goes, well, I don't have one yet. I'm like, do you have a service? No, I don't. I just want to be an entrepreneur. I'm like, all right, stop right there. Like, you know, for every Elon Musk, there's, thousands if not hundreds of thousands of failures out there people who said they're going to go do something and they didn't accomplish it like you got to come up with a, a problem to solve first of all right um i think you know there's a difference and i love to to compare our company and differentiate our company some of the other small aviation companies where like i said it earlier if if i'm in the business simply to make money and fly an airplane back and forth to the islands i, I don't consider myself an entrepreneur I'm in the business to fundamentally change the industry, to fundamentally change transportation, to provide support. When a hurricane rolls in within 24 hours, my entire team shifts from a luxury travel company that flies you to your private yacht to a hurricane relief effort that carries, you know, 50,000 pounds of cargo in a couple of days and rescues 900 people, actually 200,000 pounds when we brought in the other partners. Like I think being a, being an entrepreneur is, is in pursuit of, of a purpose, right? And your company is part of that purpose. But to your point about it being difficult, yes, we're, we're a team when we're succeeding. But I think it's important sometimes for us as leaders, entrepreneurs, when we're not to really take that burden on yourself and not spread that burden across your people. You know, I said this the other day, we were having a conversation and you know, we, we have not made all good decisions in this company. We drove ourselves into a, in a corner with cash and things like that pre-COVID, right? I don't stand in front of you know my partners on the board that sit on the board with me and say, hey, I just want to tell you, you know, so and so screwed it up. It's hey, my mistake, and I'm gonna fix it. Maybe I have the wrong people in certain roles. Maybe I didn't train them well, you know. And I think that's what it, you know. Also, being an entrepreneur is is you do carry a lot of burden, and you you have these emotional up and downs. And I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I'm warming up an engine in the morning because I don't jump out of bed. I know there's like entrepreneurs out there who said, I leap out of bed and I'm ready to attack. I get out of bed. I'm like, oh, time to make the donuts. Today's going to be tough, especially during COVID, right? And I, and I have to work through it. And that's where you said it earlier, where I feel lonely sometimes because mm -hmm. you do carry a lot of burden. And it's important, I think, for us 
other leaders to kind of share that burden. I love watching, you know, your podcast. I love talking to others, other CEOs. I'm a member of YPO, which has been a, a great group of people because we're all going through the same thing. Yeah. And, and I think that's important to share that burden with each other, not with the people underneath you, but with each other. You know? Yeah. You know, I have to tell you, I, I belong to Vistage, similar type of thing as YPO. I'm, I'm, I, I just miss the age thing on YPO. Um, <laughs> but this is, but this is like, this is similar to you know, sitting on, you know, running the JA, right? And, and sit and having this board, a group of leaders in our community is very similar to YPO, where you can pick up a phone and call somebody and just chat and say, hey, what do you think about this, right? And and I think that's you that's know, really one of the benefits of YPO. Because I say that to board members all the time, you know, you're not just here, right? You're here, yes, because of your passion for JNL, but you have this amazing group of leaders at your disposal. Pick right. up the phone, right? And just say, hey, you know, you run a company. I'm struggling through this. I, I, I love what you're doing. I thought, you know, it'd be great to talk. And so I think you're right. But so often CEOs are so afraid to ask for help. Yeah, it's true. So we have to be able to put our egos aside, right? And say, I need help. I, I need yeah. your help, right? How are you getting through this? One of the, the best things I did was I built a strong exec team, you know, as of 20, end of 2016, I brought on the CFO. So myself, my CFO, my COO, um, we're on the phone day and night talking, especially during COVID, talking through these problems and, and being able to, I don't know all the answers, you know, I, I just don't. And being able to share share that, you know, the the ideas and brainstorm with other people on your team that, you know, do share some of the burden and understand what you're going through is important, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And and it's it's important about being lonely. Nothing, especially during COVID, right? No decision you make right now is going to be popular, unfortunately. Yeah. It's going to hurt somebody. And I think that's one of the challenges that every company is having right now. Like sur survival is still impacting people that you care about. Yeah. No, I think you're right. You know, I mean, you have the stress of and the pressure of running a company, right, which we've always had. And now on top of it, you you are trying to figure out how to do that, but also keeping your people safe, right? right? Or your constituents safe or whoever you serve, right? Yep. And so I, I agree. There's that added pressure of if we make this decision, it's what's best for the organization, but is it what's best for the people, right? right? And so finding that balance through all of this, there's a balance. If 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 I if all I cared about was the company, I'd hurt a lot of people. But if all I cared about was my people and not the company, they'd be out of a job in three months right now. Right. And so yeah, you have to find that balance. Yeah, absolutely. So many great ingredients. I'm I'm gonna read back a few. <clears throat> I love this one. The pursuit of purpose, right? I really love that. You know, people talk about passion in their why, but I'd love that how you put that together, um, the pursuit of it, you know, finding what, what you're unique, what, why is your company unique? Why are you unique? What do you bring to the table? Um, you know, that attitude of that, you can do anything, um, having a dream. I love that. And going after the adventure, but working hard to get the dream, right? Really important. I just said that this morning to somebody, a dream is a dream, but if you don't work hard to get it and just achieve it, and you don't go into action. You're not going to have the dream. It's just a dream. Um, you know, making mistakes. I love that one. So often we're not willing to, like I said, admit that we made mistakes or admit that we need help and asking for it. Uh, never being bored. I think that's part of your success, Rob, you know, and that's what drives you. Uh, is always looking for that next adventure. Um, and I love this one. You should dwell on failure until you figure out the lesson. 
and then of course apply the lessons. Um, and so that that debrief, that whole um, you know model around debriefing, so important in in your business. You know, giving people the tools. Uh, solving problems, that's what business and entrepreneurship is all about. Um, and creating the environment for empowerment. You talked about taking ownership. You, you, you just said at the end, really strong as a CEO, taking ownership of the decisions and the company and the mistakes um, and looking at yourself, you know, through that and, and evaluating that. And I love, I love all of this. And, and so, um, so many of these things are obviously, you know, what have driven you and what have made you a success today. Um, and like you said, it's not easy. And it's that constant um, making sure, right, of finding that balance. So with all of those ingredients, right, I love to cook being Italian. <laughs> By the way, I used to. I, I got, you know, now I, I grill a lot. Let's put it that way. I, I used to make my own sauce back when I was in flight school. You know, that was like my thing, but now I don't cook much anymore. So you don't make sauce? Are you kidding? No, I, I'm not a real Italian. What's going on? No. No, that, that's that's sauce called gravy in New York. Okay. Yeah, it's gravy. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, actually, I kind of find that I don't do it every Sunday, obviously, the way we grew up, but um, but I do like to make it like once a month, once every couple of months. Because it just oh. makes me feel, you know, but but like connected to my past or yeah. something. Yeah, um, and it's so funny. We were just having this conversation the other day about when you make meatballs, right? And so I don't know. When I grew up, you tasted the raw meat, right? Yeah. You had to know if you had enough salt in it and enough yeah. cheese. Yeah, and yeah. And my friend looked at me and went, "Did you just eat raw meat?" And I'm like, "Yeah, like how are you gonna know <laughs> again if you don't eat the meat?" My mom and was an my mom was an amazing cook, like amazing cook, right? And um, when I went to college <laughs> and even when I was in flight school, I would ask her, "Hey, I want." you know, the, the recipe, the sauce, and that was the recipe. And she like had to figure it out. She couldn't write it down, you know, because she's just like, well, I use a pinch of this, I use that, I taste it, you know, the whole thing. And it's like, it's tough to put all that onto a piece of paper, right? So yeah. that's, a, that's a challenge, right? Which by the way, makes it great. I think it's that, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. It, it's personal touch. Um, and, yeah. and that's one of the things that I think brings you close to family, right? Is when you are in the kitchen cooking, my grandmother, yeah. um, my Italian grandmother would cook, you know, all the Italian stuff. And so she taught me how to make uh, something, what we called strufola. I don't yeah. know if you have them. They're like the yeah. little honey dough balls. And I'm yeah. the only one in the family who learned, but it was the same thing. There was no recipe, right? Yeah. She would, she would just put out this big mound of flour and put the eggs in the middle. And I'm like, I don't know how much, right? But eventually I, I perfected it. And, and so right. Right. I, gotta I gotta try this. You gotta bring it. I have to yeah. from New York because I'm the only one who knows that. <laughs> so my, 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 my CEO, COO and partner, uh, Nick Beltry, he does this thing with his family every Sunday. He's got two kids and, and he calls it pasta Sundays. Right. And every Sunday he tries a different pasta. He makes his own gravy. You know, his family's from New Jersey. And it's just, it's amazing. He's really, he brings it into the, the office and tremendous. So I'm a little jealous. The family together. I, I, yeah. I think we're missing that tradition today. And I think that uh, yeah. you know, that would, that would help our families stay together and so forth. Right. But so all of those things, sauce, pasta, strufola, all <laughs> those things have a main ingredient. What is Rob's main ingredient? Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. I was just thinking about this. Honestly, it's got to be humility. And, and, and so hear me out. So, all right, we talked about the debrief, right? You cannot debrief well without some sort of humility. You, you have to accept that you have a failure. A lot of people that you point, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. That's that's ego talking. I don't want to hear that I failed or I don't want to accept that I failed. But it, it's also in, in, in how you go after things in life. So we have a core value in our company. Um, 
find a way, right? And I used to teach find a way as don't accept no for an answer. You know, if you can't find a door, find a window. And if you can't find a window, take the, take the sledgehammer to the wall, go through it, right? We were still struggling, I think, at times at like overcoming some obstacles. Because look, we're, 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 we operate in a very highly regulated business. It's a very challenging business. Flying amphibious aircraft in saltwater, there's, there's maintenance, you know, challenges associated with it. It's dynamic. We, we're launching airlines in, in different countries. So we're in a high, highly regulated business dealing with, you know, regulations in multiple countries at the same time. Like the fact that I'm still here talking to you is it's it's a miracle, right? right. But um, I changed to how I taught that core value to it's all about humility because how many times have we said to ourselves, I've tried everything. I've tried everything. Well, if you're humble, you realize I haven't tried everything. Like there's probably something I haven't figured out yet. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe Maybe I don't have the tools, you know, but I hear this even with my employees. We've tried everything. And when we sit down and work through it together, we solve that problem. So I say, you obviously didn't try everything, which is let's come together and work through the solution. So it goes back to humility. I think humility, you know, brings you to the debrief. Humility helps you achieve things in life. And I think without it, we fail. I I want to just let you know that uh, somebody in the uh, chat just wrote that you should uh, go for president. You have my vote. <laughs> I might have too many skeletons in the closet. I don't know. It's a Navy pilot, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> might be a Navy pilot. I'm not going to ask though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I love no, I that story, and, and I could talk to you for hours. Um, I just Same. enjoy. Yeah, um, you're just so authentic, so real, so down to earth, um, and so open, right? About uh, you know your life, your your journey, and, and I appreciate that. And I know that. Uh, everyone watching this will will learn from this, will be inspired by it, and especially our young people. Um, I can't wait for them to see this interview uh, and and hear your story because I think it will help them understand that you know it's not going to be an easy path sometimes, uh, but you just have to stay with it and go after your dreams, right, and work hard and be humble. So thank, thank you. Thank you, Lori. I really wow. enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. Me too. And thank you for your service on our board. Thank you for your service to our country. Um, and anything I can do when you ever feel lonely, call me. <laughs> I will take you up on that. You know, I, I know you get up early too. So, and so let me tell you, get a call from <laughs> those calls yeah. to CEOs have gotten me through this. Just being able to even sometimes just put it out there and hear somebody's feedback. I, I told you I belong to Vistage. I joined a group where these it's all men. There's only me and one other woman, a woman. Um, and so, and, and so I, that doesn't surprise most people that I would be in that group, but they are the most direct, insensitive, like just brutal. Okay. But that's what I wanted. Yeah. Right. I want I don't want you to sugarcoat it. Just tell me my, I got big shoulders. I, yeah. I, I can handle it and I'll filter through what you tell me right? And, and get yep. to the bottom line. But I would much rather have that honesty yeah. and that authenticity. And just tell me, you know, you've been talking about that for six months. When you sugar get off the pot, excuse me, but that's what you're saying. <laughs> right? So they hold you accountable. I didn't remember to use my sailor, sailor mouth. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. It's true. But you're right, you know, and again, it's, it's sometimes it's tough to hear. And early on when I was younger, I found I was more emotional than I am now. You know, I think it comes with practice. 
How's it practice about practice and age? I hate to agree. Yeah, but even if I totally disagree with what you just told me, you know, an argument, right? Like everybody argues on Facebook, there's probably some truth, and I should take a step back and think about it. You know, yeah, so exactly, and we yeah. can agree to disagree, but we need to listen, right? Hundred percent. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know I'll see you soon on some yes, Jimmy call. Um, and so I appreciate having you. I appreciate you, and so glad that we we are uh, working together uh, to yeah, make things me too. better. Me too. Thanks, thanks for bringing me back. I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> God, you got it. I'm here. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Hey everyone, Bye. thank you so much for watching. And I just want to remind you that uh, this show appears uh, every Tuesday and Friday, most of the time live. Uh, actually, this coming Tuesday, we have Dev Motwani who will be here with us as a guest um, and looking forward to speaking with him in the development world and the real estate development. So thanks everyone for being with us. Thanks again, Rob, and see you next week. Yeah. Take care, everyone.